Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm still getting the hang of this, you know, um, this, this whole Ustream thing. Uh, going back to this uh, after not being on it for a long time, the transitions between the shows once again are, have become important. But anyway, it's it's wonderful to hear Chris again. It has been a long time, it seems like, since uh, I've heard Chris on the air. Um, uh, have some comments? Uh, no, not not for me. Ha ha. Um, anyway, so here we are. It's uh, Tom Harris here in beautiful Chicago, Illinois, and it is ten oh. 2 a.m. here in Chicago, uh, which means it's 4.02 p.m. over there in the U.K. And it's a beautiful morning here, a little overcast, but it is spring, and uh, we have, we've had actually pretty nice weather. Um, well, nice if you're the certain kind of person who likes rain, uh, <laughs> because it has been raining quite a bit this week. Um, haven't had too much trouble as far as like getting caught out in it, and I, and I usually don't carry an umbrella with me. I know that may be uh, um, surprising to, to people. Uh, even in the springtime, I, I tend not to carry an umbrella with me and have occasionally gotten caught in the rain because of that. But it, it actually has been raining this week a bit, but it's better than snow, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, yeah, obviously the snow is done. And what a, a, a crazy week this has been. This, is, this has been, just from the very beginning of the week, kind of a roller coaster ride. And uh, before anyone asks, I know the question that everyone is, is asking right now is, do I still have a job? Well, for the moment, I do. The, um, but I don't know how long that's going to last for. Now, the, the owners of the company that I work for have been on vacation all week. Um, they'll be back this week, and then they'll probably find out a little bit more of what's going on. But for the moment... Things are still okay, and uh, so I still am employed at the moment. But I do expect that to change sometime in the very, very near future. The, uh, it, but it has been really crazy, uh, partially, you know, because a lot of go stuff going on that I can't talk about as far as the, the company and my boss and, and all that stuff. And then on Tuesday, I had another little bit of a crisis where I came home from work on Tuesday and sat down at my desk as normal, turned on my computer, turned on the computer monitor, and about 10 seconds after I turned on the computer monitor, it burned out. I mean, I, I smelled a burning, or I smelled like a burning smell, uh, and the computer monitor just went, Foots! And I've only had the thing for a few years. It's not It's not like my old IBM monitor. I have an IBM monitor here. It's one of these old, um, you know, these, the old uh, 10, 15-inch. Well, it's actually, it's, it's a 17-inch monitor, but it takes away like 70 pounds. It's this big, huge, uh, what do they call it, CRT monitor? Yeah, like, like a big old you know, TV tube stuck in there. And I've had that thing since 1996, and it is starting to go bad now. But um, I've only had the flat screen for about three or four years, I'd say. And, and to have that go fritz just all of a sudden, you know, no warning, is just something I don't get. You know, and, and maybe they're just making stuff more disposable now. I don't know. But anyway, the, the guarantee on it had long since expired. And so I had to get a new monitor in order to be able to do anything, much less doing a show, preparing for the show. In order to use my computer, which I use absolutely every single day, 
I needed to get new monitor. So I had to hurriedly kind of, I hooked up the old monitor, the old IBM monitor. Uh, so I was actually able to communicate with some people. I called up Pete, said, I've got an emergency. You know, I've got, got to make an emergency trip to Best Buy um, to uh, to get a new monitor because my, my monitor has is sort of exploded. And uh, you know, I have the best boyfriend in the world. I mean, he, he would be willing to drop everything and come to, to my rescue. I mean, I, I mean, if he hadn't, I would have had to have gone on the bus at you know, 6 o'clock at night to Best Buy, not through the best neighborhood, gotten um, you know, a new monitor and come all the way back on the bus and the train. But uh, yeah, but Pete came through for me. That's that's for sure. He really came through. Came and got me. We got the you know got the monitor. Uh, had had a little bit of dinner and then and then came back here. And and here I am. So I've got a brand new monitor and it's a it's a a um, beautiful monitor. It's a you know they've changed. Have you, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but monitors have changed. And. The the thing about the um, monitors now is they're all widescreen. I'm, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to a widescreen. I mean, I've always had sort of the the, the sort of squarish monitor, and so that that's been a, a real thing. It takes getting used to because all of a sudden the the ratio is off and everything is really wide. And you know, it's it's great for gaming in a sense. But it has taken some getting used to. And the other thing that you get when you get these great wide monitors, they have these little tiny thin bases on them. So that means the monitor wobbles. And that takes getting used to. So anyway, we are uh, we are um, uh, kind of getting used to this new monitor. But it's, it's a lot different from the old one. And it doesn't have an on and off switch. You kind of have to wave your hand in front of it. Or wipe your finger across the the thing to get it to turn on. Wayne is saying that he remembers the CRT monitors and that he misses those. Yeah, well, I don't. You know, <laughs> I have to say, you know, I have this one, uh, the, the old IBM here, and I I think I could throw this thing out of the window and it probably still work. I mean, they really really built them to last, but I don't. You know, they're they're big and they're heavy. They take up a lot of space. I have a small desk. This desk is—it's the same desk that I've been using since I was like eight years old. I mean, it is a a very small desk, and it's just big enough for for the computer monitor and keyboard and the speakers and whatever beverage I have. I'm drinking materba today, folks. This is um, a yerba mate flavored soda. Uh, comes from Cuba. Actually, I think it comes from Miami, but it, it's a Cuban product. And uh, I, be, I, I was, I was when I went last weekend with uh, Pete, and we were at the little Cuban grocery store where I get this stuff. Um, yeah, I was teasing, you know, teasing him that yeah, I was drinking mate before it was cool, because now nowadays you can get like mate tea and mate, you know, whatever else. Um, but the, the, this is uh, you know, something that I was actually introduced to by, uh, excuse me, by my good friend Michael Griffin who uh, passed away last year. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's lovely stuff. It really is. It's, it's kind of a unique uh, taste. Anyway, um, Bob, I don't know, is saying that she concurs over monitors. Yep. Um, 
<laughs> and she's a what you're drinking a what <laughs> it, it's a it's a type of of mate flavored soda and it's it's interesting it, it really is and there's nothing else quite like it anyway if you have a chance to to ever try it um you know it's hard to find here in chicago i have to say it's easy to find in florida where there's a lot of cuban people but um the uh, up here we don't have a lot of Cubans up here in in Chicago, and as far as I know, we just have the one Cuban grocery, and they sell. Yeah, you know, they have the uh, what the the iron what what like the original version of Iron Brew. I mean, it's called it's called Iron Beer, uh, which was actually invented in Cuba in 1908. Um, and but it it's not as good as Iron Brew. I have to say, it's it's um. But it's very, very similar to Iron Brew. It has a sort of a bitter aftertaste that, that I don't remember Iron Brew having. But uh, it is very similar. But anyway, the mate, uh, Bob Edeno is asking what mate is. Mate is a sort of, um, it's like a leaf. And it's like, a, like tea. It's rather like tea, actually. And they, you know, you can brew it as a tea. And I think that, you know, in this case, you know, they made an extract of it and they made it into a soda. And I can't describe the taste as anything but mate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it is sort of a, a leaf um, that they, I guess they boil and, yeah, kind of, well, like tea. Anyway, um, so today's a travel show. We're going to talk about Germany today. And hopefully this won't spill over into a future show because I haven't really um, explored Germany in the same way that, I've explored some other countries in Europe. Um, sort of with with Germany, I've been kind of, I've been there several times. I think I counted, I think I've been there like four or five times, but never for any kind of extended period. So I haven't explored the country widely kind of in one go, if you know what I'm saying. Because when I, when I was traveling in Europe back in 96, which was kind of my big trip, um, I was kind of in and out of Germany, I, you know, because I'd be in Denmark and I'd have to go from there to, you know, to Germany. And, you know, I went to Berlin and, you know, used kind of on my way to the Czech Republic, went through Germany and that, that sort of thing. We'll talk about that in the second half of the show or a little bit later in the show. But I know how it goes when I start talking about this travel stuff. I do get kind of overwhelmed and I kind of uh, kind of run on and on and on. So I'll probably start talking about that uh, shortly. But anyway, um, I do have an email here to read. Let me just open this up. Oh, uh, before I do that, I have another pigeon update. As you recall, um, no, last week I was uh, uh, talking about, I saw that one of the baby pigeons from from uh, last year, the, the ones that had been born on my back steps. And I had seen one of them kind of, of hanging around. Well, folks, I've seen the other one now. The other baby is still here. Um, and I guess, I, I guess, why would anyone be surprised by that? Because what, what are pigeons known for? Yeah, well, besides pooping on statues, you know, they're known for homing. So why wouldn't they come back here? I guess I guess I'd, I'd be more surprised if I didn't see these pigeons come back. But uh, lately, I have seen the other the the baby I talked about last week. I have seen again, uh, hanging out on the roof of the building across the street. 
kind of a it's kind of a garage thing. It's not like a you know twenty story building. I can't. I don't. My vision's not that good. But uh, the other baby has now turned up, and it looks different than its than its sibling. I don't. I don't know whether they're male or female. I, I'm pretty sure that the one I saw last week was female, and the one I saw today was male. But I really don't know. Um. But this one, it, it has a mixture of the markings the way the other one does, but it's not the same. It, it's got, it looks more like the father bird, the, the orangey uh, color. But he's got a blue head like the mother. So it's a very, very weird mix. Um, and he was definitely male because he was, he was chasing after one of the... Yeah. Yeah, when, if anybody who's watched Pigeons for any length of time knows what pigeons in mating season act like. So I don't need to tell you, but they, he's doing the little courtship dance, you know. Um, and uh, the other pigeon looked very disinterested. <laughs> and, uh, um, but they're hanging out on my building and, and um, like up on the roof of this building. So I guess that's where they live. I guess that's their, their little hutch. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the parent birds are up there as well. I don't know. Um, I don't have any way of going up on the roof and checking, and they probably wouldn't hang around even if I did. But anyway, oh, what I was saying, um, this is going to be the second to last show to go out from this apartment, uh, because next weekend is when I start moving. So that'll be crazy next week. You know, so much going on and so much to do that I haven't done. I haven't done any packing. I haven't, uh, you know, I, I really haven't done anything. Um, but I am starting to kind of go through stuff and, you know, I'm going to be throwing away a lot of junk and try to, you know, send some boxes of books to, um, uh, to the book, you know, used bookstore, trying to get some credit and stuff on that. Just a lot going on. And there's, there's so much to do. And at this point, I just want my job to be done because I know it's going away anyway. And I just want it to be done because they, they keep kind of stringing us along a few days at a time, a few days at a time, a few days at a time. And I'm kind of assuming that this is my last week of work. But on the other hand, you know, the money is good. Yeah, I, 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 need, I need the money. So as long as this job lasts, I'll have to work around it. Anyway, uh, I do have a, uh, an email here. And this is from our good friend James Bates, who's been writing, writing to us rather regularly lately. I guess he's kind of, kind of my most frequent correspondent at the moment. Um, anyway, James has this to say, sorry to hear that you're having problems still with leaving your workplace, especially when you've been with them for a long time. Well, I've only been there uh, three years, so it's not as long as, as some of the other jobs I've been at. When I get, as I tell you, when, when I go to a job, when I'm working, and, and particularly for, for a company, um, that I usually stay there for years. I'm not one of these people that kind of flits from job to job. When I get in a situation that's a comfortable situation for me, as this job has been previously, certainly not now, but as it was previously, um, I tend to stay for, for many, many years. My last job, it was a you know, really lousy paying job, but I was there for six years because it was a fun job. It was a job that I really enjoyed going to work in. That I looked forward to going into work a lot of days, um, not every day. But, you know, I, I liked the job. I liked the, the people for the most part. And even though the pay was lousy, it was still fun to do. 
Anyway, uh, I, uh, James goes on, I hope you find a new job okay. I, me too. And I hope the move goes okay too. It sounds like the change will do you good and hope the new place is good. Well, the new place, the, the new uh, apartment is really, really nice. And I'm looking forward to moving in. Um, and works, uh, new place is good and works out. I take it that it's local that you're moving. And let's hope that there's no snow problems there either. Um, yeah, it is local. It's uh, it's just a block and a half away from here, and I live on um, West Greenleaf. And the the street that I'm moving to is actually one block north of me. And it's uh, the the street is called Estes. Um, and it's one block north, and like a block and a half west. So it's not very far. It's it's within well, very well within walking distance. And in fact, I'm probably going to find myself doing a lot of my moving on foot, uh, you know, like one box at a time between here and there. It's good exercise, you know, going back and forth between this apartment and the new apartment. And then uh, at the very end of the process, kind of having a truck for a day and um, bringing the, um, you know, the heavier furniture and things over. Or, you know, we'll move as much of it in, in Pete's car, I think, as possible. But then, then have to get a truck for some of the bigger stuff because I do have like a large couch. I've got a bed, I've got, you know, all this big stuff that you know, it's just kind of a pain in the butt to move in a car. And I probably should really hop on that. Um, uh, James goes on to say, I hope that Cram FM goes okay for James Saunders. I, he- I heard Lee Mills promoting it in his weekday show and sounds great for helping youngsters do radio shows and podcasts and media. Yeah, I don't. I have to say, I really don't know anything about Cram FM, other than the fact that James is on there. Um, I was around when the Y2K hype uh, was going on, and nothing really happened. And I remember the hype near the time, and people were stealing stuff from the supermarket and doing a supermarket sweep trolley dash as they thought they were going to die if they didn't go mad. I've never saw anything in my life. I've seen madness like this on a smaller scale. And I hope I never have to witness anything really bad like that again. As for fake advertising, like the fake mediums and the fake medicines, should they should be stopped as they are dangerous and they're ripping people off. But from the people I've heard, they blame the Internet completely. And people should avoid the net, but people shouldn't blame the Internet as scams have been going on since before the Internet. And people just need to be aware of these scams. And if it's too good to be true, then it usually is. But saying that I think there should be laws to protect the vulnerable in society from these scams. From James. All right. Well, thank you very much, James. Um, I think he was talking about the fake medicine, the homeopathy, the homeopathic remedies, as they call them. Um, They're not dangerous. And that's probably the only thing you can say that's good about them, is that they're not dangerous. Uh, Because they're sugar pills. That, you know, there there are no active ingredients. It, it is purely a placebo. So, you know, the, so really they can't do you any harm unless you're allergic to whatever they're using. You know, whether if it's a, in a capsule form, you're, they're using like lactic acid. If you're lactose intolerant, you could have a problem with that. Um, but they're sugar pills, basically. And so they're not going to do you any harm. Now, uh, James Randi does a... Um, a thing on stage because he he goes around and talks about homeopathy and about how how much of a ripoff it is, etc. And one of the things that he does is he'll go to you know the local pharmacy and he'll buy you know a bottle of, of homeopathic sleeping pills. Guess what the active ingredient is in a homeopathic sleeping pill, by the way? Caffeine. 
and he will actually down the whole bottle at once. Um, and because it, you know, because it is a homeopathic thing, you know, it, there's nothing in it. There's, you know, there's none of the active ingredient in it at all. So he says they taste terrible, but you know, they have no effect on you. And that's the problem with with homeopathy. Now, like I said, you know, the British uh, government has gotten very sensible on this, and they have um, actually stopped offering homeopathic remedies through the NHS because it's a big industry. They make a lot of money off this homeopathic stuff, and it doesn't work. I mean, clinical trial after clinical trial after clinical trial show that they don't work. So anyway, uh, let's see. We have some messages coming in. Uh, we got uh, – oh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> okay, that isn't uh, that isn't for me. Somebody Somebody sent a message for Chris – which I just received here. Okay, uh, before I move on to Germany here, I'm just going to do a little bit of Today in History. Don't have a lot today, but I'll just do a little bit. Today in History, April 9th. In 1770, Captain James Cook discovered Botany Bay in Australia. In 1838, the National Gallery opened in London. Actually, one of my favorite uh, restaurants. (laughs) One of my favorite museums in London, actually. I go there almost every time I'm in London. Um, In 1912, the Titanic left Queenstown, Ireland for New York City. In 1914, the first color film was shown in London. The film was called World, the Flesh, and the Devil. Ooh, sounds scary. In 1950, Bob Hope made his very first television appearance. In 1959... NASA named the first seven astronauts for Project Mercury. In 1963, Winston Churchill became the first honorary U.S. citizen, posthumously. In 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was buried in Atlanta following his assassination. In 1970, Paul McCartney announced the official split of the Beatles. In 1991, the Georgian Soviet Socialistic Republic voted to secede from the USSR. And in 1992, John Major became the Prime Minister of England. All right, famous birthdays on April 9th include, in 1821, Charles-Pierre Baudelaire, the poet, in 1830, photographer Edward Muybridge, who pioneered the study of motion. Um, 1926, Hugh Hefner was born in Chicago, magazine publisher, um, best known for Playboy magazine. It's his most popular uh, thing that he came up with. In 1928, Tom Lehrer, the folk singer, parody uh, parody singer guy. Um, my brother's really fond of Tom Lehrer. I, I, I'm not, not so big a fan. 1932, Famous uh, singer-songwriter, guitarist Carl Perkins was born in Jackson, Tennessee. In 1932 also, Jim Fowler was born in Albany, Georgia. For those of you who don't remember Jim, he was the sidekick on Wild Kingdom. Um, Don't know if they had that that show over in the UK, but Marlon Perkins, Wild Kingdom, was this sort of old guy. And Jim was the guy who did all the, the dangerous stuff on the show. Uh, 1935, Avery Schreiber, the comedian, was born. He was um, born also in Chicago, Illinois. Woo. Um, uh, was Became well-known on the TV show My Mother the Car back in the very early 60s. 1954, Dennis Quaid was born in Houston, Texas. 
1961, the keyboardist for Marillion, Mark Kelly, was born in Dublin, Ireland. And that is Today in History. All right, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take my break now. And then we'll come back and talk about Germany. So we'll be right back. Hello, Chris Reardon here. I hope you enjoy our shows here at United Kingdom Radio. A bit of fundraising now for the station. If you fancy a bit of music in your life, then why not try one of my weekly non-stop music mixes? All music, no talking. You can get a new one each week and download them from www.chrisreardonshow.co.uk. For just 80 pence UK, that's about $1.30 US, they are over 75 minutes long and contain some of the brand new club tunes around at the moment in the UK. Download them now from www.chrisreardonshow.co.uk. My weekly mixes, just 80 pence. www.chrisreardonshow.co.uk. United Kingdom Radio have teamed up with a brand new online internet radio music service called You Love It, We Play It, aimed at the over 25s and featuring some presenters that present right here on United Kingdom Radio. So if you've had enough of all that rabbit. Thank you, Chaz and Dave. Then try our brand new music service at www.youloveitweplayit.com. And we are back here live from Chicago. This is Tom Harris, and it is 10.27 a.m. here in Chicago, which is 4.27 in the U.K. Don't forget that following me at 5 o'clock U.K. time is young James Sanders coming from North Wales. So uh, stay tuned for him. And um, so now we're going to get into kind of the meat of the program, and uh, we're going to talk about Germany. I'm going to ask that uh, nobody call during this time of the show. I guess I'm not really worried about people calling anyway, because <laughs> uh, people so rarely do. But um, if you call, I'm probably not going to pick up. Anyway, um, so Germany, I have some fun facts about Germany here. Germany is on the list of one of the most densely populated countries in the world, with a population of over 82 million people. It's the second most populated country in Europe. Even though it's heavily populated, about one-third of the total area is covered in forest and woodlands, which is also why it's one of the most beautiful places in Europe. Germany is considered the fifth biggest economy in the world and the largest economy in Europe. Uh, Germany has over 150 castles, many of which are still uh, playing host to the original families that own them, the, the old royal families of Germany. Um, and many have been turned into hotels and restaurants. These castles are the main tourist attractions in Germany. Excuse me. I have a little Materba burp there. Um, it's the largest producer of iron, steel, and coal in Europe and is also the epicenter for machinery, food and beverages, cement, electronics, chemicals, vehicles, machine tools, and textiles. Highways in Germany are called autobahns. Such expressways have no speed limit and you can drive your car as fast as you want. Germany's public transportation is among the best in the world, but most of the people own cars. Reputed car manufacturing brands such as Porsche, BMW, and Mercedes-Benz operate out of Germany. There are about 300 varieties of bread in Germany, so if you sink your teeth into one variety a day, you'll need just about a year. 
Germans rank, rank second in the world after Ireland in beer consumption per person. I thought the Czech Republic was first. I, I'm surprised it's Ireland. Um, so I don't know. Take, take all of this with a grain of salt, folks. <laughs> beer is officially considered a food in Bavaria, where the size of a normal glass of beer is a liter. There are, over, or there are around 1,500 different brands of beer in Germany. Uh, let's see. Schools in Germany are not full-time as they get over at 1 p.m. or thereabouts. I, I don't know about that. And I've heard they give you a lot of homework. Um, dogs can go just about anywhere in Germany, like first-class restaurants, buses, trains, shops, and bookstores, with the obvious exception of butcher shops. Um, Germany is home to the Ulm Cathedral. Ulm. Ulm. I believe that uh, Yannick uh, from Germany lives in Ulm. Germany is home to the Ulm Cathedral, the tallest church in the world, which is 161.53 meters high. That's 530 feet high. Um, More than 80% of the garbage, mostly glass and paper, is recycled in Germany. This makes it a very eco-friendly country. I imagine that has a lot to do with the Green Party being actually a, a viable party in Germany. There are more soccer fan clubs in Germany than in any other country. Soccer is the most loved and followed sport, with the German Football Association being the biggest association of its kind in the world. All right, so there, that was some fun facts about Germany there to get us started here in our, in our uh, conversation. <laughs> Bob, Bob, I don't know, is saying fun facts about Germany. Well, why not? Why not? So... Um, as I said, you know, Germany is, is a place that I've been to several times and have kind of kind of jumped around from place to place, and, and it hasn't been one that I've explored. But I have talked about Germany twice before on my show. So, without further ado, if you're interested in hearing about Aachen, now Aachen is the, the capital of, of Charlemagne's empire. It's where he was, was coronated uh, back in, I think, 800 A.D., um, I talked about Aachen uh, in some depth on a previous show, Tom Harris USA, episode number 99. Now, for any of these old shows, I have them archived over at TomHarrisUSA.com. And the date on this show was August of 18, August 18th of 2010. And then uh, shortly thereafter, the live show, uh, I talked about Berlin and my time in Berlin. I'm not really going to talk about those two those two cities on this show. Um, Berlin, I talked about on September 18th, 2010. And that show should be available on TomHarrisUSA.com. Don't know if that one's still up on the United Kingdom Radio site, but any of my shows, all of my shows, are archived at TomHarrisUSA.com. So feel free to check out the old shows. There are other travel shows, of course, there as well. So, um, but, but if you want to talk here about Aachen or Berlin... That's the place to go. All right. So um, kind of one, of one of my first impressions of Germany. Now, the first place that I actually went to in Germany was Munich. And this was back in 1980, my very first trip to Europe. And we were kind of passing through Germany on our way elsewhere. And we did stay in, in uh, Munich uh, for a day. We stayed, or I think we actually we, we ended up staying in Stuttgart. That was where we ended up staying, at a youth hostel in Stuttgart, which is north of, of Munich. But we did pass through Munich, and we went to the, um, you kind of looked at the BMW factory and kind of um, 
we went to the main square of Munich. Now, Munich is known for sort of there's very few things in, in Munich. I mean, there's a lot of, there's some really good museums there, but Munich is not one of these places that you really think of as a tourist destination, except for Oktoberfest. Now, Oktoberfest is the sort of the, the big event. And there's this big squat, ugly building called the Hofbrauhaus, which is, I think, believe the largest beer hall in the world. And every year that is sort of the epicenter of Oktoberfest. And, Huge beer fest. Of course, everyone knows about Oktoberfest. They don't really need to talk about it. But um, lesser sites in Munich include the Marienplatz. Now, Marienplatz is sort of the main square of of Munich. It's an older part of town, though as much older as you can get in Munich. And and because uh, Munich, like a lot of other cities in Germany, were bombed heavily during the last war. And they were bombed pretty much flat. You have a few buildings that have survived from that era. Sometimes they've tried to rebuild old neighborhoods, but it's never the same as they were. And it's it's obvious when you're in those areas that it's not the same as it was. Yeah, it it doesn't have the a. It's, it's sort of almost like like a Disneyland inauthenticity to some of these reconstructed medieval buildings. You know, they, they don't seem quite right. They seem too perfect. They seem too well-preserved. And that's really because they're, they're not authentic. I mean, they, they were bombed, they were you know, flattened, or they, you know, they had to either mostly rebuild or completely rebuild a lot of these buildings. But Marion Potts has the, the Rathaus, the, one of the city halls of Munich. I believe Munich has two city halls. And it is known for its clock, um, and the clock is called the Glockenspiel. And so this is where at, at 11, 12, and 5 p.m., uh, you know, every day, mostly for the tourists, this big elaborate clock will chime. There's these uh, really kind of cheesy, almost life-size mannequins that kind of move around and do a little dance and you know this is something that old people really really find charming i i don't find this stuff very charming myself but you know if you're in munich go see the glockenspiel you only need to see it once in your life and then you've seen the damn thing <laughs> you don't need to go any further you don't need to go any further with that um but uh all this all the same the sort of of old town of of munich is 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 a pretty place i mean you know it's not i don't find germany to be terribly expensive i think um as far as you know pricing and and accommodation it's very comparable to anywhere else in europe it's not it's not as expensive as scandinavia but you know, by all means you know go go see the glockenspiel go see the um i think it's called uh uh saint um Oh gosh, I'm, I'm I forget it. It's like Saint Hieronymus's Cathedral or something, um, and really kind of interesting. Munich, of course, is being the largest city in Bavaria, and Bavaria is, to my mind, one of the prettier places in Germany. A lot of you know the black, you've got the, the black forest, you've got you know the Rhine Valley, and actually one of the things that that I did when I was there in '96, I took a train ride along the scenic route, the scenic route of the Romantic Road. The Romantic Road is, is basically the another, well, it's a touristy name. You know, it's like what the, uh, what the travel agencies call the Rhine Valley 
and sort of the you know the, the sort of wine country of, of uh, Western Germany. And there's a lot of castles there. There's a lot of um, really spectacular scenery there. And this one train ride that I took, it took me right up along, it takes you right up along the river, right through the valley. There's really no other place for the train to go. So you've got these tiny little towns kind of scattered along the river, and then the train kind of goes right through the middle of all of them. And it's it's absolutely a gorgeous train ride. And uh, very nice to do during the day um, and when you can actually see out the windows of the train. And really looks like a very, very cool place to go hiking. So maybe someday uh, get to, um, get over there and, and do some hiking. Um, uh, Bob Idenow is saying uh, Oktoberfest isn't most of that in September. Yes, it is. Um, but I think it does spill over in October. Um, and she's asking, is this the kind of clock where people come out and hit or kiss each other and go back into their own little houses until the next hour? Um, it's not quite like that, but it's the same kind of thing, if you know what I'm saying. The, the Glockenspiel is more, they, have, um, they do little dances. And the, I think it's called the Cooper's Dance where they they kind of come out and they, they swing around each other. And then, yeah, they do end up going back in their little, their niches at the end. Uh, but they don't, I don't remember, I don't remember them hitting each other, but I could be wrong. I'm sure if you go into YouTube, you could uh, find a, a film of the glockenspiel. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's sort of, of like that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, once you've seen it once, you don't ever need to see it again. And there's a lot of stuff like that in Europe. I know I talked about the uh, the mannequin piss in in Brussels on a previous show. Um, that's kind of the same thing. You see it once, and then you never need to go back. Um, and I don't get, you know, I don't get how. Maybe this is a topic for another show, and I shouldn't waste time about it on this one. But the stuff that that people find charming, you know, why, why did this stuff ever become famous to begin with? You know, I don't know. So I don't know. I, I, I don't find it terribly interesting. But it, yeah, when you do see it just to say you can see it. And, it's, and the people who care if you've seen it are always like people over the age of 80. <laughs> it's like <laughs> there are a lot of um, of tourist things that are like that. Or, or yeah. Anyway, uh, going back to the Romantic Road, um, I probably said just about everything I need to say about it. But it does look like a, a great area of Germany to go like on foot. And I haven't done that. And, you know, there are several countries in Europe that even though I've been to them and I've, I've seen them, you could say I've seen them, I really haven't explored very thoroughly. And Germany is one of those places. France is the other. And because I've seen even less of France, I've basically just been to Paris. I mean, you know, and, and that's pretty much it for, for France. So those are, those are definitely countries that I, I need to go back to and do a little bit more of exploration. Um, but, uh, oh, the, the thing about, uh, but one of the other things about Bavaria, and I don't know if this is true anymore, if you're a, a traveler in Bavaria and you're over the age of 26, you're not going to be able to stay in a hostel. Um, the Bavarian Youth Hostel Association, which I believe is the oldest youth hostel association in the world, they do not allow people over the age of 26 to stay in a youth hostel. This is different everywhere else in, in the world, but, but Bavaria. Maybe individual hostels here and there, but 
they but they do have in Bavaria and other places in in Europe these things called elder hostels. But I believe you have to be over the age of 50 to get into the elder hostels. So if you're between the age of 26 and 50, you're kind of SOL if you want to stay in a hostel. So um, now I was able to stay in an independent hostel uh, in Munich when I was there. Oh, was it Munich? No, it wasn't Munich. I'm sorry. It was in Frankfurt. So I do apologize for that. Um, I, I did stay at a uh, like a pension in, uh, in Munich when I was there. Kind of tiny little room. Not too bad, you know, kind of right near all of the, the big museums and stuff. So it was a nice little place to base yourself. But it wasn't particularly cheap. And and so that is what you kind of have to watch for. Um, uh, let's move on a little bit. I, since I mentioned Frankfurt, I might as well continue on with that. Um, Frankfurt is, is also sort of in the southern part of Germany. And Frankfurt is known mainly as a gateway. Now, in 19... 19- uh, 1996, I flew in and out of Frankfurt on my, my eight-month trip. So this was you know, kind of the, the symbolic beginning and end of, the, of, that, of that trip. I arrived in June. Somebody, a friend, of, a acquaintance of mine, really, from, from the Netherlands, came and picked me up in Frankfurt, and we drove back to the Netherlands. Um, and then I ended up coming back to Frankfurt on the train at the end of my trip in January. Of, of 1997 and um, and flew out from there. Frankfurt, obviously known for it, its international airport. Now, the problem is, you know, again, Frankfurt, as, as opposed to some of the other cities, Frankfurt was pretty much bombed flat during World War II. There really is nothing historical there. It is a major business city, a lot of modern, big modern buildings, beautiful city, really. I mean, beautiful in the same way that downtown Chicago is beautiful, but which is to say, you know, a lot of big buildings, uh, you know, there's not much, though, that is um, traditional or historical or anything like that. It, it is sort of your, your basic modern city. Uh, not a uh, piece of trivia here. Frankfurt is the birthplace of techno music. If you like techno, uh, you can thank people in Frankfurt for that. Um Bob, I don't know, is saying that uh, she thinks that Frankfurt is known mainly for his sausages. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, well, you see sausages everywhere in Germany, don't you? I mean, really, you do. I mean, I have to say, you know, being a vegetarian or pescatarian, as I am, you know, I'll eat seafood, but not red meat or poultry. Germany is not a very vegetarian-friendly place. They, It is becoming more so now, but... But back my first trip there in 1980, it was hell to find anything that didn't have meat in it. It really was, because German cooking is so heavy on sausage, and you know that sort of thing. You know, you got your bratwurst and your liverwurst and your blutwurst or whatever. You know, and and beer, which which I can't stand. I hate beer. So <laughs> German food is not something that that. Per- traditionally would appeal to me much i mean you know there's only so much you know vegetarian spätzle that you can you can eat you know it's it's just kind of the um i'd say one of the the down what would say one of the food disappointments of europe is that they really don't have a very vegetarian friendly cuisine in germany so if you don't like beer and you don't like meat then you're kind of out of luck um 
And uh, Baba Nuno is saying, yes, uh, her veggie friend nearly starved there. Ooh, this, this reminds me. I don't really have a delay on the show now, do I? I don't have to wait five minutes to hear back from people. <laughs> this is great. Um, and she says, techno, now I know where to find the buggers. Yeah, go to, go to Frankfurt. That's where they are. Uh, though I, I'm sure they've all moved on now. I mean, th- th- nobody's doing techno music anymore, are they? Anyway, I don't know. So that's kind of it. You know, um, Frankfurt, not all that exciting. Now, the other cities that I visited, um, I, I mentioned very briefly, uh, I visited Cologne, but I didn't stay there. Um, I was passing through on my way to another place, and I took an afternoon and just kind of explored Cologne. I took a night train. I was going to uh, to Stockholm on one of my trips to Finland, um, and then uh, we are going to uh, you know, kind of go over from Stockholm to Finland. And, but anyway, on the way, I, I stopped in, in Cologne and took the overnight train from Cologne. But the thing in Cologne is that they have one of the most beautiful and one of the largest cathedrals in the world. And even though I'm an atheist, even though I have absolutely no belief in supernatural beings, I happen to like temples, churches, shrines, cathedrals, whatever. I love the artwork. I love the artistry that went into it. I love, you know, the architecture, all this stuff. And Cologne Cathedral is a fantastic cathedral. Until, uh, in let's see, between 1880 and 1884, Cologne Cathedral was the tallest building in the world. And that was because Cologne Cathedral took over 600 years to complete. This is something I find it amazing. These uh, cathedrals that take hundreds and hundreds of years to finish. Um, and uh, it was the tallest building in the world until 1884 when the Washington Monument was built in Washington, D.C. So that's a little piece of trivia for you. Cologne Cathedral is dedicated to the three kings, the, um, the, the mythical kings who came to visit uh, the, the baby Jesus. And supposedly their bones are are still contained inside the cathedral. Cologne Cathedral was bombed during World War II, but it wasn't as heavily damaged as it could have been. So they, they've done, of course, a lot of reconstruction, but uh, a good part of it is still intact. So uh, they obviously all the windows have been replaced. And they have a, um, I haven't seen it because when I was there, they had this uh, big po- clear po- like pane glass window. Uh, in in the place of the old uh, windows that got bombed out during the war, but I've heard that that recently they've replaced this with a sort of high tech stained glass mosaic, which is sort of like pixelated pixelated picture window. Um, I have no idea what I haven't seen it. Uh, maybe someday I'll have to go back and, and check that out. Um, but Cologne Cathedral is a a lovely cathedral, and it's. To me, it's kind of the highlight of go- of going there. Plus, the city whole city smells really good. Har har har. All right, uh, <laughs> back to uh, Skype here. Um, Bob, I don't know, was saying that we that we did have a uh, 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 we did have a delay to start with, but now uh, she can annoy me quicker. Yeah, James is saying James Sanders. Hello, James. Um, James is saying uh, one quick comment. I can speak German. Ah. Ich kann ein kleines Deutsches sprechen. Yeah. I took two years of German in high school, uh, way back many, many years ago. Um, and I can speak a little bit of German. I can understand more than, than I can can speak. But um, 
I was able to get around in Germany. There's, there, yeah, needless to say, Germany is one of those countries where there's no language barrier. Everybody speaks some English. Um, Baba Nuno is saying, stained glass should only be done in the original leaded form. I don't know if it's not leaded, uh, Bob, um, because I, I, honestly, I haven't seen it. Uh, James, Sander, the, James Sanders is saying, uh, ich, ich heiße James Santos, und du? Ich heiße Tom Harris. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to speak German on the show um, anymore. Anyway, because we only have 10 minutes, so I have to kind of, uh, you know, watch my time and so forth. Don't forget, James follows me at, um, at 5 o'clock, and he will be speaking German on his show. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so other cities in, in, in Germany that I've kind of visited briefly include Hamburg. Again, I, I went to Hamburg mainly to uh, visit the Reeperbahn. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Reeperbahn, it used to be, and I guess kind of still is, the main entertainment district of Hamburg. Hamburg being a port city, of course, in the in the early 60s, this is where the Beatles got their start. This is where they, they made their reputation as a band. And that was why I wanted to go there. Um, I found the Reeperbahn fairly unimpressive and somewhat disappointing as I often do when I when I go to these sort of entertainment districts, because it all becomes very touristy. A lot of people go there for the same reasons that, that I do. You know, they, they want to see where the Beatles got their start or whatever. And and so, you know, I didn't find the Munich to be, or not Munich, I'm sorry, Hamburg to be terribly exciting. However, I have been to Hamburg several times to pass through the train station. And I have to say they have a very nice train station there. Um and the other city, the only other city left that I have to talk about is Nuremberg. Now, Nuremberg, again, in the south of Germany, in Bavaria, uh, it was the uh, kind of symbolic seat of um, of of the uh, Hitler time. Uh, I guess the, the Nazi Party got widely got their start in Nuremberg. Um, I was in Nuremberg mainly because I was going to to Bayreuth. Now, Bayreuth is a city that is nearby. Uh, Nuremberg, and it was the home of Richard Wagner, who was a you know opera composer back in the in the nineteenth century. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Wagner, and I wanted to go see the town where he where he lived and see the opera house that he had built, and and I did that. And just it's a it's not much there. I mean, you you have the opera house there and the big Wagner fest every year. Um, a beautiful grounds around the the opera house. You can still go see opera in the opera house. Very expensive to go see during the Wagner Festival, but they have stuff all year round that doesn't cost so much. And you can go see the Wagner House, the you know, the house where he lived and where he is uh, where he is buried. And overall, it was a nice day trip. It was a nice day trip out to Bayreuth, um, Nuremberg itself. Not terribly interesting. I stayed in a, a hostel there, but it was one of these big modern high rises, rather like a hotel, except they had two pre- two people per room, and uh, I was I was okay with that. And then they have the sort of a walled city. Now Nuremberg used to be a walled city. They have uh, sort of this old part of town that's surrounded by a wall. Now, of course, this is all reconstructed because this was all bombed flat during World War II. 
Nuremberg was one of the most heavily hit by bombs during World War II, so there really isn't much left. But there are still some uh, some of the older buildings in the in the old part of town. There you know, have been renovated or reconstructed. Again, you can tell which ones are reconstructed because they're not quite right. You know, they're too perfect. Uh, but there are some old churches and things there to see. Um, I I found actually a very charming place, um, and not in the same way that, you know, the Glockenspiel. But I found that the, you know, sitting around in the in the squares of of Nuremberg, the old town, was actually quite pleasant and spent a lot of time. There's a lot of modern sculpture. A lot of um, there's a sculpture of the Meistersinger, um, you know, from the from Wagner's opera, the Meistersingers of Nuremberg. And it's it's a really I, f- I found it one of the the nicest places just to kind of sit and people watch, and all these cities you know, when they've been re- reconstructed have been designed with these nice common areas, and th- in this case it's very much like the old medieval square, but there's a lot of places to sit. You can kind of watch people go by, and and I enjoyed that, and maybe that was the mood I was in after spending the whole day in Bayreuth <laughs> and walking around all day. But uh, Nuremberg, of course, uh, was also the home of the uh, the etching the the um, what do you call it? engraver uh, Albrecht Durer, a very famous uh, uh, German artist of the 16th century, and it's kind of a, a I I kind of liked Nuremberg. I'll be honest with you, I liked it better than than places like Hamburg or Munich, and maybe it has more of a more of a small town atmosphere, or at least it felt different in that way um let's see uh james is saying uh oh is he going to speak german on his show he better go and get his german book then yeah i i guess james is going to do most of his show in german today uh bob i don't know is saying uh, okay you said you can speak german but i answered no i can't oh okay uh, uh let's see uh, let's see if i can remember see what the thing is the thing is about speaking german I've studied two foreign languages in my life, and those two languages are German and Japanese, and I get them mixed up. I know it's it's hard to believe, but I do get them mixed up, and I get the grammar rules mixed up. So I'll use the word aber if I'm speaking Japanese, and when I should be using the word demo, because it kind of means the same thing. So it's very, very strange. Now, one uh, kind of a fun fact, another fun fact about Germany, and speaking of language, one of the things I noticed in Germany that I thought was, was, was interesting is that, that, that Germans dub everything. You know, a lot of, in a lot of countries, if they have something that comes in in a foreign language, they will give it subtitles, and, but keep it in the original language. But, but the entertainment industry in Germany is huge. Not that they produce all that much stuff. I mean, you, you do have some German filmmakers and particularly people like Fassbinder back in the 60s. And, yeah. but, um, and certainly back in the very early days of film where you had a lot of uh, innovativeness and, uh, and stuff in, in the German cinema. But uh, nowadays, so they'll, 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 like, for example, we'll take Star Trek. You know, they, if they dub Star Trek. And all the different characters will have a different voice actor, obviously. Um, and the thing about the German entertainment industry is that a huge portion of this is devoted to voiceover. And what they do is they will cast a voice. 
a German actor will come in and they will do the voiceover for a particular actor for their entire career. So, for example, you know, somebody will play Harrison Ford. You know, and, and they'll, so anytime Harrison Ford appears in a movie or a TV show or, or whatever, this particular German voice actor will do their voice. And that way, the, the German, you know, the German public kind of knows what this actor sounds like because it's the same guy all the time. Really, really interesting. Now, they, I, I did uh, read that they had a big crisis a few years ago. This is quite a while ago now, I think, where they actually had to replace one of these voice actors. And it was the guy who did the voice of Sean Connery. And it was a big crisis because they had to get somebody new to replace him because the, because the actor died. So then people were complaining that Sean Connery didn't sound like Sean Connery anymore. Um, very, very weird. James says, do you want me to ring up and have a German conversation? Well, no, no, I really would rather you didn't. <laughs> but thanks for the offer. Very kind of you to offer. Um, but I thought that was really, really interesting. And I can remember my very first trip there in 1980. I was with a group of, of people from my high school. And, and uh, I remember watching The Muppet Show in German. Very, very interesting. Um, anyway, uh, it's time for me to wrap it up here. I got about another minute and a half left to go. James Sanders following me here at five. That was Germany, folks. I think I got through all of it. Um, any emails, of course, comments, etc., you can send to me, uh, Tom Harris um, at Tom at UnitedKingdomRadio.co.uk or indeed to Tom at TomHarrisUSA.com. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. This is uh, beautiful Chicago, Illinois, and we are getting ready to sign up. Here we go. Now we got my closed music here. And um, talk to you all next week. Have a great week, folks. Bye for now. What a lot of old twaddle that is.